Hello and welcome to this Tech Blast episode, the series delivering 15 minute overviews of an issue in the lab and the solutions available to help you through it. I'm Annie Colson, Digital Editor at Biotechniques and the host of today's podcast. In this episode, supported by Roche, we'll be discussing comprehensive genomic profiling, also termed CGP, and its use in cancer research. Our guest today is Carlo Messina, Global Senior Director for Oncology in Clinical Development and Medical Affairs at Roche. Carlo worked as a medical oncologist for many years before joining Roche's Diagnostics Division in 2015. In his latest role, he's generating evidence for CGP. Carlo, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So to start us off, let's go back to basics. What is CGP and what is it used for? Okay, so great question. And so comprehensive genomic profiling is basically used to profile patients, uh, not just with the standard of care of biomarkers, uh, but having larger panels in order to extract the maximum of information the biology of a tumor of any given uh, patient can provide, and therefore shedding more information to the tumor biology of the patient, but also enabling the treating oncologist with more information and therefore potentially having more tools or armamentarium at her or his disposal in order to taking care and looking after this patient. So normally a patient, when it goes into the diagnostic workup, has a pathologist that utilizes standard techniques such as immunohistochemistry or inside hybridization and and molecular workup usually uses uh, PCR, so polymerase chain reaction. But I think, you know, the comprehensive genomic profiling has a lot more, and especially it's a more back for the value, because with less material, you can extract more information out of the biospecimen provided by the, the patient. Okay, so it's essentially like a technique for investigating the genomic profile of tumours. And you touched upon it slightly there, but what other methods are available for investigating these? Right. So the standard of care usually encompasses uh, immunohistochemistry on which uh, antibodies basically stain the tissue slide or inside hybridization on which, uh, you know, a light is switched on or off uh, in a slide. And uh, you have molecular testing on which you can test uh, one biomarker at a time, for instance, EGFR for lung cancer. And, uh, and basically, you can easily exhaust the tissue there. Then there are hotspot panels, which are usually 10 to 50 gene panels on which you can basically check the two major type of genomic aberrations. So, so you can detect the, the base substitutions and you can detect insertions. And and those are genomic aberrations that are most commonly studied. However, with comprehensive genomic profiling, not only you can investigate those two, but you can also detect the copy number alterations, so in which you can see basically if a gene is overexpressed or underexpressed. And then you you have gene rearrangements on which you can have rearrangements, you can have fusions, or you can have splicing. The other interesting part of the comprehensive genomic profiling is you can add also genomic signatures, such as microsatellite instability. You can detect that as well with, uh, with immunohistochemistry and, uh, and also with PCR. Then, of course, you have uh, the tumor mutation burden on which, you know, it depends on how many uh, mutations you have uh, per megabasis. And in that case, it's a proxy to show immunogenicity for uh, the tumor. So it basically, if the tumor can elicit an immune response from the from the host, basically from the patient. And that, again, is extremely important, especially now in the cancer immunotherapy field. 
And last but not least, you have the loss of heterozygosity, so genome-wide loss of heterozygosity, which basically is used mostly for potentially being linked with the PARP inhibitors or basically synthetic lethal compounds that basically can kill the, the cancer cell if there is the, this aberration that is present. Of course, you can also have HRD, so which is a homologous recombinant defect, and that as well is a proxy in order to potentially provide PARP inhibitors to this, uh, to this patient. And so how did the methods that you've mentioned compare to CGP? The CGP has been already benchmarked with those. So there are already many, many solutions out in the market, and they have very good sensitivity and specificity. So usually when a CGP reaches the market as an in vitro product, it is benchmarked versus either a PCR or immunohistochemistry. So it depends on what is the gold standard of that market and that regulator demands as a comparator. So Usually, if a CGP test reaches the market in the IVD space, so in the in vitro diagnostic space, it means that it's been already benchmarked with all these biomarkers according to the regulators and what has been used as a standard of care or gold standard in that specific geography. The sensitivity is really high. The, the biggest advantage of CGP is that you can hit as many targets as hundreds just using one biopsy, when instead, if you have to do as a standard of care, you need to do all these consecutively. You can even run in parallel. But at the end of the day, especially if there are small biopsies, and the, so the biospecimen is extremely precious because that patient is metastatic and we were only able to do a biopsy, basically the CGP provides the best spectrum of analysis considering the very little amount of tumor tissue available in a biopsy. And this is one of the best real-world scenario that I can provide. The other one that can be utilized right now, and there are already many others uh, providers uh, or you know, kits that are in the market, is the liquid biopsy. So basically utilizing cell-free DNA or circulating tumor DNA, you can detect the genomic aberrations that a tumor is shedding into the bloodstream. And then, you know, thanks to the technology and the, the amazing advances of technologies that we have in the reagents, but also, and especially in the bioinformatics, we can then detect these genomic aberrations in, in the bloodstream. And we can detect all of them. So um, single nucleotide variants, copy number alterations, indels, and the rearrangements. Okay, so CGP gives us a deep understanding of a tumour. And so looking at what the information that it provides can be used for, how do you think CGP could improve the cancer treatment landscape? Well, so just to give you an example, so right now there are in the clinicaltrials.gov or, you know, these databases on which, uh, you know, the sponsor of, of studies have to register their clinical trials. There are at least in 2020, there were at least 50 studies on which there were some molecular biomarker uh, driven. And, uh, you know, by 2024, there are at least uh, 250. So try to imagine how much pressure there is now in the drug development in order to link it uh, with some genomic aberrations. And imagine if all these are successful, which is not the case, but I must also say that since we introduced the use of molecular tests in order to identify patients that may potentially benefit from a treatment, the attrition rate between phase one and phase two 
uh, was reduced by 30%. So that provides a, a huge increase in drug development. And again, it's not going to be the case that you know 250 trials are going to be all approved. But we can imagine already that there is a huge potential of studies and drugs actually hitting the market because of successful studies. The other story that I can provide with that regards is that in 2004, we can use the example of nosmos cell lung cancer, which is the archetype for comprehensive genomic profiling testing. So in 2004, we had two genomic aberrations, EGFR and KRAS. So KRAS, it could be either mutated or wild type, and the same applied for EGFR. In 2014, we had at least seven biomarkers that could be uh, treated. So, and there was again GFR, KRAS, ALK, ROS, and um, HER2, BRAF, PIC3CA, MET, and RAS, MEC1, and, and ALK. And now it's, it's incredible how many we have. We have RAT, we have RET, we have KRAS, we have EGFR, we have ALK, we have ROS1. And there are so many more and so many will come. So at the end of the day, it will be extremely important for the treating physician, the medical oncologist to understand what is the genomic profiling of the patient in order to take the right decision for that patient that she or he may have in front of them during the, the office hours. And to the cherry on top of the cake, of course, is that now we have also the support from professional organization for the molecular testing. So um, just the NCCN, so which is the National Cancer Network, uh, recommends NGS testing for a range of cancer types. So we start from liquid malignancies like ALL, so acute lymphocytic leukemia, or bladder cancer for solid tumors, breast cancer, central nervous system cancer, you know, colon and rectal cancer. Uh, melanoma, esophageal and gastroesophageal cancers. So the list is very, very, very big. And also in Europe, I mean, ESMO is recommending NGS uh, testing and especially comprehensive genomic profiling for lung, prostate, cholangiocarcinoma, ovarian and cancer of unknown primary. And multi-gene testing is also recommended for colon cancer. And then tumor mutation burden is currently recommended for neuroendocrine tumors, a salivary gland tumor, thyroid tumors, cervical cancer, and vulvar cancer. So the list is quite big, and it clearly shows that there is a benefit for the patients once the diagnostic workup includes comprehensive genomic profiling. And so you might have already touched on it then, but are there any exciting applications of CGP? Right. So I think that the most compelling story is about the liquid biopsy, as, as, as I already mentioned. So being able to detect the genomic aberration in the bloodstream, this provides extreme ease of use. So you only need a phlebotomy, so a blood draw. And then, you know, you, you can have access to all these complex data that can be generated in an NGS run. On the other hand, the most important thing is also understanding that the liquid biopsy is not a silver bullet. So, you know, you also have to check the clinical status of the patient and the performance status and so on and so forth. But for sure, it provides a lot of information that otherwise, prior to this technology boom, was completely hidden away. And we mustn't forget that the first whole genome sequencing was performed in human beings in 2001, and it costed billions of dollars. And now we can have these, maybe not all genome sequencing, but we can have comprehensive genomic profiling at a fraction of the cost. Of course, the downside of this is that uh, this data generated is huge. I mean, we're talking about terabytes of data. 
So another important thing that uh, many people do not think is about the computing power and also the storage, you know, like because according per law, you can't just delete these uh, data that you generated. So another important thing will be the data safety, data security of the patients. I mean, of course, we have in Europe the GDPR and HIPAA in the United States, but also, you know, the storage of this data and uh, who can have access to this data. So all these are very delicate subjects and, and arguments that need to be tackled very, very carefully by the institutions, so the healthcare organizations, but also the healthcare providers, the healthcare professionals as well. Yeah, it's amazing how much things have developed over the past 20 years. And so looking to the future, what are your hopes for the technique? Uh, this is a great question because it is, I mean, it is of public domain that there are a lot of companies investing billions of dollars in research and development, especially development, uh, because they need to develop this technique uh, into the early detection of cancer. So uh, that means that right now CGP is mostly used in second line. So in the metastatic setting in second line, there is a big impetus in order to move now into first line. But the biggest advantage that we can see there is actually to see the usage of this technique uh, for early detection. So detecting cancer early on so that it can be cured with surgery or radiotherapy. And uh, we are seeing already a booming of these technologies being utilized currently also in the screening space. So we have many players uh, in the field right now that are investing time, resources, and they are involving tens of thousands of patients in order to show the efficacy of this technology also in the, in the screening programs. I remind you that in screening programs, you are taking healthy individuals and you are testing them for being negative, not, being, not that they can find the cancer, but basically once it is tested negative, they can be reassured that the cancer is not there. And this technique is actually not only finding these that, you know, hence the specificity, but also they are increasing the sensitivity. So therefore that literally they're finding the needle in the high stack. And we are looking forward to these. And, you know, again, it's a free market. So we expect many players to play so that there's going to be some real and natural competition and healthy competition among players. So uh, made the best solution reach uh, the patients and the general population in general. Sounds like there could be some really exciting developments in the next few years. So do you have any last comments or um, anything that you'd like to mention? No, but like everything in life, uh, I, I guess you need to be uh, careful with whom you partner. So I think that the best would be also the level of evidence that these uh, NGS and these comprehensive genomic profiling tests can have developed throughout the years. I think this is uh, what is extremely important because, again, the relationship between a patient and a physician is about trust. But the same applies uh, from the physician to the test and the technologies that they would like. So I think the best way is actually to generate this trust. Also because, I mean, it's a very delicate topic, as I said, because, I mean, you have access to information that uh, most of the time not even patients know that they have. So I think this, uh, the, this trust has to be not only established, but then, you know, really cultivated and maintained throughout the years. Carlo, it's been great talking to you and hearing more about this exciting technique. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Thank if you, you for having me. I mean, you've been very generous inviting me. Thank you. 
If you would like to find out more about CGP, you can get more information from our In Focus on the Technique at www.biotechniques.com. Thank you for listening and goodbye.